Welcome to the Eventful Entrepreneur. My name's Dodge. I've been an entrepreneur for over 30 years and thrown thousands of parties across the UK. And I'm also the owner of the Bournemouth Sevens Festival. Everyone who knows me knows I love people, having a laugh <laughs> and asking lots of questions. So I've been chatting to people with one thing in common. They've all lived eventful lives. This week, I'm delving into the eventful life of Ian Stafford. Staffs is an award-winning journalist, author and broadcaster who's jetted around the world covering the biggest and best sporting events. We chat about his experiences at the London Olympics, the 2003 World Cup, and what it was like witnessing firsthand some of the most iconic moments in sport. He's boxed Roy Jones Jr., made the bench for the Springboks rugby team, rode with Sir Steve Redgrave, and had a tackling session with the legendary Jonah Lomu. He's a very brave man and a proper character. Here he is, Mr. Ian Stafford. Staffs, welcome to the show, buddy. It's a pleasure to be here. Lovely, lovely. Well, let's get cracking. I want to roll all the way back. Tell me a little bit about you and what you've done and what you currently do. Oh, my goodness. Where do we start? Um, for the best part of 30 years, I was a, a national and international sports writer, sports journalist. Um, went around the world, had the best seat in the house um, and uh, covered pretty much every uh, major sports event that there was. I mean, you name it, I was there. Mm. I wasn't, uh, I didn't do one sport. I, I did them all, which was fantastic. Loads of stories, loads of crack. Best seat in the house. And um, so you got, so you were employed to travel the world to watch the best sporting events. You're correct. I was paid to watch the best sporting events and hang out with all the top sports stars and interview them. Yes, I know. That is amazing. I got away with it all How that time. How on earth did you blag that? <laughs> well, there was an awful lot of blagging yeah, going bet, on. Yeah. Uh, so where, where did it actually, where did it start? Where did you first get uh, the job? Who employed you first to say, I want you to go to yeah. the British Lions. I want you to go to a boxing match. Well, it's actually, there's, there's a story which I, I think you'll, you'll, you'll quite like because uh, I think you, can st you still can be like this today, even though I think today life is all, uh, technically a little, a little bit more formulaic. I still think there's uh, there's opportunity in life, in business, in whatever you do yeah. to just you know, uh, uh, do your own thing and find the way. So long story short, my mother was a was a, a national journalist, a Fleet Street journalist in the 60s when very few women were. Yeah. I always wanted to be a journalist. Is I was, that right? I, yeah, I was really lucky when I was 14 years old. Did you read lots of books I, as a I kid? Well, not massively. Mm. I mean, I did a bit, but I just wanted to be a journalist. And to be 14 years old and know what you wanted yeah. to do is, is great, yeah. isn't it? And then I went to uh, uni in London, like everybody else. I, Which one? Um, at King's, King's College London, read history. Uh, but I, had, I blew any money I you had. You read history? Yes, I studied. For how many years I did you read history, history for? Well, the course was three years. I probably did it about two weeks in those three <laughs> weeks. But I became editor of the uh, London University uh, magazine. Okay. Um, and I became editor of the, uh, the, the, the college magazine as mm. well. And I started, to, I went I was, I was went to King's because it was the nearest university yeah. to Fleet Street when yeah. in the old days. So every, you really knew what you wanted. I was very lucky, Amazing. yeah. Amazing, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Did you get a leg up at all from your mum? 
she was no no because that was that was ages before um that that was long before no no not at all uh nobody's ever it's not a bad it's not a bad thing no 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 but i i couldn't that wasn't that was an, an, another era yeah but what happened was which was uh, I, I sort of two stories to answer your question very quickly the first one was uh because i was poverty stricken mm. and literally eating half a can of beans a day and mm. you know horrendously overdrawn with about four different bank mm. accounts um they used to have, they probably still do, the university milk round where the big companies go around the unis and right. you know and pick up, you know, the cream yeah. supposedly of 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 British students. And um United Biscuits, who are a major company of uh, uh, Jaffa cakes, cape nuts, whatever, said, Oh, you'll be a fantastic salesman. And this is nineteen eighty five, and we'll give you fourteen and a half thousand pounds and a Ford Escort. I See went, that? Wow. That's amazing. Back Ford then, Escort. Right? So I I I took it. I mm. went against everything I wanted to do, mm. and I took it because I was so poor. It lasted three months. Mm. And what that lesson taught, and I walked out with mm. nothing, with no job, but it taught me, don't go for the money in yeah. life. Yeah. Go and do what you really want to do. Yeah. If you really, if you do what you really want to do, you're going to be good at it. Yeah. And if you're good at it, the re you get rewarded. But the reward comes at the end of yeah. that equation, yeah. not the beginning. Don't, that think was, of, don't think about the reward. No, think no, about no. the journey. Uh, yeah. yeah, and that was yeah. that was that was the 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 early part of of my sort of learning curve. And funnily enough, you know, I I know plenty of people, contemporaries who went into the city at, at my age and they made loads of money and blew themselves out. Um, I I've done perfectly okay, thank you very much. Mm. But I've had an absolute yeah. gas. And then how I got the job was. What um, job's this? Well, the first job, how I first yeah. got into journalism. I mean, I did all the things, all yeah. the work experiences, that sort of thing. But I didn't really want to spend five years talking about lost kittens for the, for the local paper. Yeah. I wanted to try and shortcut that if yeah. I could. So what happened was I saw an advert for a magazine called Sports Week, which was the UK's version, Robert Maxwell's version of Sports Illustrated, which is the big sporting yeah. Bible in the States. And they're advertising for positions. And it turned out what they were looking for was just the best of Fleet Street's national sports writers. But I applied and I heard nothing. And I applied and I heard nothing. I applied 12 times. Mm. And I eventually got a letter, which was a very nice way of saying, get lost. Yeah. So then I phoned up the office and by luck, but I created my yeah. luck as well, got a friendly Welsh sub, uh, sub editor. And I said, can you tell me everything about the editor, the guy called Roger Kelly? So he told me everything. And then I said, could you put me over to him? He goes, yeah. And I said, hello, Roger, it's, it's Ian Stafford here. Who? Uh, Ian, you know, the guy who keeps writing to you. <laughs> and he goes, uh, oh, yeah, 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 hello, hi, yeah, what, yeah. what do you want? He said, well, look, I, I happen to be having a meeting opposite your office tomorrow. That wasn't strictly the yeah. truth, by yeah. the way. Yeah. In fact, it wasn't the truth at yeah. all. Um, and if you just grab five minutes with you, it'll be, you know, be really good to meet you. And so I wore him down mm. and he eventually agreed to see me. And that five minutes was an hour. And at the end of that hour, he gave me a job. Wonderful. And then the job was very much gopher, you know, coffee. But I was I was like, um, it's a bit of a throwback to, uh, to the Yossa Hughes character. Give us a job. I can do it. I can do it. I was, I was like that in the office. Yeah. And then six weeks into the office, somebody fell ill. I can do it. I can do it. Mm. I was sent over to Ireland uh, to uh, try and do a piece on uh, the Tour of Ireland cycling race. Uh, what's his name? Greg Lamond, an American who just won the Tour de France, gate crashed the French party. And he was there. And I managed to bag a massive interview with, with Greg Lamond. I wrote it. it. It made all the all the press. And then they said, oh, you can do this, can't mm -hmm. you? And then I was, I was How old uh, off you? and away. 
21. 21. Tell me about some of the events that you've been to on your journey from that younger age, the 25s in your 20s up to your 30s and in your 40s. Well, you know what? I mean, within a, within a, a year of that, I was at the, uh, two years of that, I was at the Seoul Olympics in 1988. I mean, I'd never been to that part of the world at yeah. all. And though I was at, at the Olympics, yeah. it was absolutely staggering. That was the one where, you know, the famous Ben Johnson, Carl Lewis, 100 meters, when Ben Johnson was, you know, smashed the world record, then subsequently was done for drugs. Was that the, was that the one, was That it? was the one, 88. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Were you there? I, I, I was, um, uh, I, I was, yeah. I, I was in it, uh, as you can imagine. Amazing, it was it? it was the biggest sports story of the year. Yeah. And I was right in the thick of it. And I was just so young and eager. And, and I looked around and there was some really good, journalists around me but they they'd been doing it for so long they were getting a little bit ah yeah yeah exactly and i've always i've always said to stay young Mm. it's not an age thing Mm. it's a mindset thing Mm. and you've got to keep moving on you got i mean this is not for everybody you know Mm. if if you if somebody listens to this has been in the same job for 30 years and they love it good luck to you fantastic Mm. but for somebody like me I have to keep moving on all the time. So I was in my element. I was like the new kid on the block yeah. and and I was probably quite annoying because mm. I just wanted to be involved mm. with with everything. And um and the next year, so I'd been in national journalism for two years. Uh I uh as my idea, I went to Poland. It was in the the, the right in the, the heart of the all the football hooliganism that was going on. That's right. And I went to Poland, uh, the English football fans, so-called fans, had smashed up Stockholm the, the month before and the government were talking about banning them and, and it was a World Cup qualifier and I went on a on a on a so-called official tour but it was just full of British national <laughs> BMP people <laughs> I had my head shaved um I had some fake I tattoos you, on I me so that like a sore thumb well you? I, I um <laughs> well I I, I I, you know, I tried to rough it up a bit. Let's put it that way. And I hung out with Did them. Did you have for... your chinos and slip-ons on? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, excuse me. Excuse me. I'm just going to go and smoke my pipe for a second. Um, so I hung out with these not particularly nice yeah. people for three days. And um, they, uh, when they discovered, this is in Poland, this is in Katowice, they discovered that, uh, oh no, we were in Krakow first. And they discovered that uh, Auschwitz was 20 minutes away, mm. half an hour away. Mm. And they were, oh, let's all go to Auschwitz. Oh, God. So I went with them. And of course, you have to be very careful not to incite anything, not to create something. But I didn't need to. They were there. And this is the late 80s. And there are loads of sort of elderly people walking through Auschwitz. And anybody who's ever been to Auschwitz will tell you, they they leave nothing to imagination. Is that right? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You you never forget your trip to Mm. Auschwitz. These guys with the Union Jacks and their skinheads were dancing on the roofs of the gas chambers. So I took some photos. And uh, the following, it goes out in the in the paper, double page spread. Uh, the following week, it's read out in the House of Commons. Is that right? Yeah, I get six months of hate mail. Did you? Oh yeah, death threats and Is everything. Right? <laughs> and then I was voted Sports Journalist of the Year on the back of it. At the time, I was the youngest person ever yeah. to ever to win that award. So I I kind of. Did you, you know, know what was going to happen, or did you just that like, were you just young and eager to say, oh, I've got some great photos here? No, no, I knew. I, no, you know, no okay. you've got. English skinheads with Union Jacks around them, dancing yeah. on the roofs of gas yeah. chambers at Auschwitz. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you, you think that's that that's probably. And back make then, it. you probably took the photo. You didn't know what was coming out until you had to go and process it at the local boots or whatever. Yeah, well, it wasn't that long ago. I didn't like watch the birdie and put a, <laughs> and put a cape over my head. It wasn't was it was it Victorian times, you know. Um, <laughs> Uh, but no, we didn't do it on the phone. I did yeah. have a little camera yeah. Yeah, at yeah, that yeah. point. But yes, you're right. So that nervous moment. Yeah. By the way, I'm not a photographer. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a journalist. It was all I was being a, a photo journalist before they they you had such a thing. Yeah. 
Because obviously in those days, you know, I mean, those early days, you had mm. typewriters and, mm. and things. Now, of course, you are a multitask, That's right. you know, videographer. Everything. But that made an impact because I was sports journalist of the year and, you know, I was in my late, in my, what was it, 27, whatever, nobody had ever yeah. done. And then after that, then I got, then, you know, TV started coming my way because I made a bit of a, an impact doing that. What and were you I, doing? What did you do on TV? Oh, what I, did, programs? Uh, I did things like going live on Saturday mornings, have my own slot. Did you Hi, good morning, everybody. It's time out with Ian Stafford <laughs> and Phil Schofield and Sarah Green and all those people. I mean, the stories, I can't tell you a couple of stories because um, they're slightly rude, but but very funny, you know, where things going wrong live on TV. Go on. Um, I can't tell you. Come go, on. Oh, well, I remember Everything once. Everything goes on this podcast. I, I, I remember once when, uh, when uh, how was it, Martin Bell. Um, there's always when you do the live phone-ins. It's always a bit yeah, risky. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So Martin Bell, who was a, a top skier at the skier, time. Skier, that's yeah, right. Top yeah, top skier. And a yeah. good-looking guy. Yeah, yeah. Know. A bit like you and me, you know, sort of toned hand, <laughs> you know. Good-looking chap. And he knew it. Yeah. So there he is on the hot seat. It's the, what I had done um, a few weeks before. I was, I was asked to come in and be in the hot seat. And then on the back of that, they offered me a, offered me a role there. And um, I always remember, because I just finished my slot. So when you finish, you hang around on the mm. on the set, mm. watching other, everybody else. There's Sarah Green's there and Phil Schofield's mm. there. And Gordon the Gopher's probably Gordon there, the Gopher. whatever. <laughs> and I always remember, yeah. it's Martin Bell's there. And he's, and he's going, yeah, well, you know, I do 80 miles an hour. Down to go down. I go, right. Well, anyway, let's, uh, we've got some uh, calls coming in. Um, let's start with uh, line one. And I think it's, uh, it's Nicola on line one. And you hear this, <laughs> in the background. And Martin goes, hey, hi, Nicola. It's Martin here. And she goes, yeah, I'm just with my friends. I'm just wondering, have you got a big one? And then it's like, like absolute mayhem, silence, Sarah Green going, oh, I, I, we'll go back to the studio now. And I swear Martin Bell's about to go, well, since you asked. Since but, anyway, right. yeah. but anyway, it went, it went back straight. So oh, yeah, I did all that. So yeah, I did John brilliant. Craven's News Round. Okay. Um, I did a bit of Big Breakfast on Channel 4. Believe it or not, it may be really hard for you to imagine yeah. this, but back then I was the, the, the kind of like the new kid on the block, the uh, sort of uh, thrusting young buck yeah, who, yeah, yeah. who'd force his way onto the scene. And um, so, yeah, in a very short period of time, I, I sort of started picking up awards and I went around the world and I Brilliant. covered every every major sporting event. But the thing I that made my name was more as an interviewer. Mm. That I loved the the, the big report, uh, the, 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 big, the big events, but it was interviewing people. Okay. And um, what getting into their minds and understanding just just getting people were, yeah. to talk, yeah. yeah. And it's not people always. People have said to me, you know, like, how do you get these people to say these things and to talk to you? And I say, you know what? It really isn't rocket science. Mm. It's not. It, it's just, you know, let them feel human. Let them realize you're human, mm. and very quickly turn an interview into a fireside chat. Mm. Okay, so it's not a, you know, it's it's, it's not a, a examination. It, it's just it's a nice chat between two people have a chat. And then they'll they'll talk about almost anything, and so I I I then subsequently won a lot of interview of the year type awards in newspapers, in magazines, etc. So you accelerated very quickly through this through this business, haven't you? Yeah. Tell me some of the most the best sporting events you've been to. You know, in my mind, I think Euro '96, and yeah. you know, in this country, the way that the whole country come together. What was your thoughts on that? Well, um, uh, Euro '96 was just as I was coming onto the scene. Mm. Um, no, it wasn't. That's that's rubbish. It was ten years later. Yeah. Uh, U ninety six. I kind of uh, yeah. I I didn't play a massive part. The the twenty twelve Olympics. If you're talking about the country coming together. Yeah. Was fantastic. I mean, like yeah, let's, let's talk about let's talk what, about what, the uh, London Olympics yeah, twenty twelve. Yeah. Well, that was. Um, I think a lot of people were fearing the worst. You know, the weather wasn't great. At one point, they had. Um, 
uh, some some company that didn't have a great track record doing all the security, uh, you know, London traffic. It was all pretty negative. And then, and then they got the army boys uh, involved, mm. army boys and girls involved with all the security. And number one, you're not going to mess with them. And number two, they were brilliant. So the weather was great. It was, wasn't it? For two and a half weeks. Can you believe that's nine years ago? Yeah, well, it's just, oh, it just time flies so quickly, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and uh, the occasion was brilliant. Seb Coe, uh, uh, Lord Seb Coe, mm -hmm. he's, he's one of our, he's been one of my guests at the Sporting Club. He? he tells a fantastic story. This is why when you get to know these people, of mm. course, and, and you know, you've got to know people like Harry very well, mm. they are, they're not so different. Mm. You know, they, they, they mm. have the same chaotic yeah. lives as, as, as we all do. He's ex Loughborough as well, isn't he? Uh, uh, Seb, yes, yeah, he is, yeah. yeah. Um, often says that you, you are there as well, by the way. Very Rog. kind of him. Um, and he, he tells a story, but he had to do this speech obviously that welcome to London, welcome to the Olympic Games. I mean, no pressure, it was just in front of the world. Yeah. And he woke up that morning and he, oh, oh, no, oh, my, no. oh, 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 my throat, oh, I don't feel good, oh, my throat feels really bad. And he had to do this speech oh, that God. night. So he, he spoke to his um, a few friends and they said, Brandy, hmm. Brandy will do it. Goes, <laughs> really, really? Go, yeah, Brandy. So if you examine the film, he's got a lectern in front of him and he's got a, uh, he's got a glass of 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 drink, and it's it's clear brandy, it's mm. white brandy, mm. all right. And you'll think it's a glass of water. It's not. It's it's a big, huge glass of brandy, <laughs> and he's knocking it back as he as he's as he's speaking to the whole world. Oh, he's knocking back brandy. And Jacques Roger, who was uh, Jacques Roger, who was the IOC president, said to him after said, "That's a good idea, making sure that you're drinking lots of water." <laughs> and he said, "Like he said, I was towards the end of my speech, beginning to feel a little bit, a little bit wobbly, <laughs> a little bit. So if if I have one more of these, I'm going to be pissed." Mm. So anyway, you um, so, so so 2012 was great, and you know the power of sport. Okay, mm. I remember being there on Super Saturday in the Olympic Stadium, which is now. Uh, of course, the home of uh, the famous Hammers. Absolutely. I just, I just thought I'd say that, knowing your allegiance. Absolutely, um, Cone Irons. But, but I was, uh, I was there, and uh, um, Jessica Ennis finishes, uh, mm. wins the uh, the eight hundred meters, wins the heptathlon mm. gold. It was expected, but mm. still great. Mm. Greg Rutherford then wins gold. That's right. I forgot uh, about him. Nobody yeah, expected no him to do that. that, did they? But then the final bit, Mo Farah. He's already won the ten k. He's mm. going for the five k. Mm. And you got eighty thousand in the in the stadium. It's mm. Saturday night. It's a balmy evening, and as they round the final bend, he's in the lead. But you've got about three athletes on his shoulder. Mm. Now, in athletics terms, pole position yeah. to take him out down the straight. Mo's got it wrong. He shouldn't be in there. He should be. He should be the other way around. Yeah. And as this, you see them running down the home straight, Mo's lead increases and increases, and you can see the other athletes like trying, trying so hard to get to them, and then you suddenly realise. They're not going to catch him. Yeah. And about three or four rows behind me, somebody's going nuts. You know, go on, Mo. 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 <laughs> and I turn around just to think, who's that? God, who's going mad? David Beckham. Was, was it? Part of the story is that, that, you know, sports people love sport. Yeah. They respect other sports people. Yeah. You get sports people. Again, you know, sort of, sporting club we get a lot of sports people mm. in the room together and they just um, immediately sort of uh, like a moth to a flame go towards amazing, each other isn't it? just yeah. a couple of other things you talked about uh, 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 great, there, did great you, events did you, ever, did you ever meet David Beckham I have met David Beckham yeah. but not, I wouldn't say I know him yeah. like like a lot of people uh, uh, like many others have but there's, there's plenty, plenty I do oh, know yeah. well 
2003 Rugby World Cup yeah. final. I'm there. Oh, wow. Now, as a journalist, you're not supposed to be a fan, really. You're supposed to be so a journalist. So as a journalist, just hold yeah. me there on that 2003. Who paid you to be there? I was <laughs> the Mail on Sunday. So the Mail on Sunday paid you to be there, yes. to stay there for what? How long? Uh, four weeks. Four weeks. All yeah. fully paid for. Yep. Food, drink, mm -hmm. accommodation. Yeah. And you're getting paid yeah. to watch the yeah. World Cup. Yep. My God, that's an amazing... And, and may I, may I, yeah. may I add, and to work very hard, Dodge, as come well, on, of course. Come on, you're <laughs> talking to me, not the local cub group. <laughs> <laughs> but I do remember you're, you're, you know, you're not supposed to be a fan. Of course, you, you like of your course, sport, yeah. but you're not supposed to be a, a, a fan particularly. Well, even, even if you're uh, of your own country, well, I understand no, if it's West Ham, Man United or Liverpool and you can't. No, sometimes you, you go to these places yeah. and, I, and it happened in Australia a couple of times and you see the Australian journalists turning up in the Australian in the wallaby jerseys and that's a bit of a no-no you oh, no, it's a thing to well, do it? yeah but a bit sort of oh for god's sake yeah. you know but anyway i remember and i was sitting there the view was perfect and you it was like in slow motion you know you've gone through the ringer um you know when england have, had won it twice yeah. and australia had come back yeah. and then you can see the clock and you can see it all happening in slow and you're you're obviously a former rug, rugby player so you know yourself you can see it all in slow motion. Johnny Wilkerson was in the slot, mm. ready to take the pass for the drop goal. And uh, it kept being delayed and delayed mm. and delayed. And he kept looking at the action, then looking across at the clock and then back at the action, look at the clock and think, it's 35 seconds, oh, Jesus, it's 30 seconds. And eventually it went to Johnny. Now, um, I am writing about this. Mm. I've got the biggest match report of my life. I was also writing the Martin Johnson column. Mm. I secured Martin for my paper. And I, <laughs> sounds a terrible thing to say to the British public, yeah. but I said to Martin beforehand, when you, if you win and you do your press conference afterwards, say nothing because you're going to say it all in your column yeah. with, with me. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, yeah. But I've also been asked by uh, the RFU to write the official England World Cup diary for 2003. And it was in November. And I knew if that drop goal had gone over, yeah. um, the book, I'd written the whole book while I was in Australia. I had one more chapter to write, which I had to do that night um, before, um, and they needed to get it out. And the book was out a week later. I knew it was the publishing perfect storm for Christmas, etc. Absolutely. Yeah. So there was a lot, <laughs> there was a lot right November 22nd was the final? Yeah, yeah. And the book was out November the 29th. Wow. Yeah. And it sold over, it sold nearly 300,000 copies. I'd like to think it was down to my be beautiful writing skills. Did you have your face on the front? But uh, front No, cover? I tried, <laughs> but they had Martin Johnson on Did the front they? instead, <laughs> weirdly enough. Yeah. So there was a lot riding on it anyway. Yeah. And I do remember, because, uh, you know, I, I'd seen a lot of amazing things happening in uh, amazing sports events, and I'm concentrating on the job. Mm. You know, I'm writing. Uh, but I do remember as the ball was in midair heading for the posts, I felt my backside leaving the, my seat. I didn't make it, I don't know how it happened. It did it by itself. Leaving the seat and I turned into a fan. Mm. I was like, oh yeah. my God, <laughs> he's done it. And literally like 21 seconds left, you know, the ball came out, Matt Mike Cat caught it and hoofed it into Rose, yeah. Rose Air. Yeah. And, and that was great. And then the other one, which was- Wasn't which, it fascinating though? People talk about that Johnny Wilkerson drop goal. Yeah. No one ever talks about it. He got it with his, Weak, the wrong foot. foot. He missed three. He got it with his right foot, but mm. no one ever mentions that. Who in the final, in the last seconds, gets a drop goal with their opposite foot? Yeah, no one mentions that. No, but Johnny, Johnny's the sort of person. And again, the great thing about sport, and the great thing about having all these great sports arts that we have, talking at at, at at the sporting club, is that number one, they transcend their sport, and number two, pretty much everything they say 
is is relevant to business, is relevant to life. So Johnny, for example, a lot of people would 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 shy away from that opportunity. Mm. Johnny took it with both hands, mm. like this is my moment to seal this, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna take yeah. it. And he nailed it. He'd missed three drop goals in that mm. final with his so-called good foot. Mm. And then he wobbled it over with his bad foot. And by the way, the sequence of events prior to that, pretty much everything went wrong. The lineup went to the wrong person. Everything went wrong. But as a team, yeah. they knew how to react in a nanosecond mm. and, and they made it work. One other thing very quickly, 2009 Berlin World Athletics Championships, Usain Bolt. Now the year before in London, he'd, he'd broken the world record, but showboated as he crossed the That's line. Right. So was he that in Berlin when he showboated? No, no, it? it was in it was in Beijing at the 2008 oh, Olympics. Yes. So the following year, I knew he wasn't going to showboat. He was going to do it for for real. For real yeah. So I don't know how it happened, but I I how left... just hold me on that. Yeah. He showboated in the Olympics and smashed the world and record. Smashed the world record, yeah. waving at the fans yeah. with, like, with another ten yard meters yeah. to go. Yeah. That's outrageous. Isn't it is it? outrageous. So the following year in Berlin, he uh, he uh, uh, I knew he was going to take it more seriously. <laughs> So I don't know how it happened, but I, I left the media box and went down right down to, to railway and there was a seat mm. and it was right by the finish line. So I sat there to watch it and it was a 200 meters final and uh, and Usain won by a mile. But when you watch Usain race, you, you watch him cross the line and then you immediately go to the clock. And I went to the clock and he obliterated, obliterated yeah. the world record at 19.19. And again, my backside was off yeah. the seat, just going, wow, yeah. I have seen something incredible. So anyway, look, there's loads of those, but also loads of loads of stars have sat down and really, you know, poured their heart out, Who? cried even, Who? you know. Who? Oh, I seem to have this, I'm, I might even do it to you as we talk. <laughs> don't, I've done it already. Don't, don't. <laughs> I, People end up breaking, I don't know why they just feel as if their life's got so bad that they're now talking <laughs> to me. I remember, I remember actually this, this was an interview, but it was an interview on stage in front of a live audience. I never forget. It's actually quite, where, it, where, where were you? It is quite sad. It was at, uh, in London yep. and it was the great Jonah Lomu. I, I used to know Jonah yeah. pretty well. Yep. Um, he, he once drove me around the mean streets of Rest South Auckland. Mm. Oh yeah. Um, I wanted a one-on-one tackling session with him in Hyde mm. Park. That was a good idea. Tell me that story. I've heard about that. Yeah. Tell me that. So well, it, it basically was, uh, you saying you run at me. And, Usain or Jonah? Uh, sorry, Jonah. Jonah. Yeah. It felt like Usain at speed. Mm. <laughs> um, it felt like a very large well, they're Usain. Quick as each other, aren't they? Yeah. But one's 18, though, and one's 14, I'd imagine. So I, you know, I've done a lot of participatory yeah. journalism as well, but a lot of books, a lot of, and uh, so a, a lot of people used to approach me asking if they wanted to, you know, punch me or, or, <laughs> or whatever. So Jonah said, "Oh, why don't we do a one-on-one -on -one tackling session?" And of course, you have you know two voices in your head. One saying, "Are you mad?" Yeah, and the other one saying, yeah. "Oh, go on. Yeah. Who, who gets Make the chance to do this?" Yeah. So that's what we did, and um, it's quite funny because the very first time he ran, he ran at me. Of course, he knocked me over completely. And um, just put this in perspective: yeah. Jonah Loma is six foot five, uh, 18, yeah. 19 stone. Yeah, you are five foot ten. Five foot ten. Yeah, and. 11 stone. But I'm ginger and I'm angry. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. makes you six foot five and yeah. 18 stone. <laughs> and I used to, you know. I bet I, he loved running at you. Uh, but, but, all, <laughs> but you don't do any of these things. I mean, I, you know, I was one of these guys. I was in the school first of everything. I yeah, played yeah. county sport, four yeah. or five yeah. uh, different sports. So at public level, I was really good. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, big gap between that and. Uh, but anyway, he ran at me and he completely knocked me over. Um, knocked me over so hard that I almost did a, a somersault. Mm. And 
at about a nanosecond later, behind me, I felt this mini earthquake. And I looked behind me and it was on the floor. And uh, what happened was, um, as he bowled me over, I'd like to say I tackled him, <laughs> but the reality is my his, his knee caught my head and tripped him up. Mm. So technically, you took I, him down. I took him down. And I remember saying to Jonah, it was a lovely guy, but I said to Jonah, well, uh, well I've taken you down, mate. Um, that's all I've got time for. He goes, no, you haven't. You go and stand back there. We're not finished. Is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> and then he ran at me for about five times. It's like one of those Tom and Jerry cartoons where Tom gets, uh, the cat gets run over by a steamroller. You know, there was an <laughs> Ian Stafford imprint. The <laughs> yeah, there's an imprint in the, uh, so, um, so yeah. So uh, anyway, so, so Jonah's on stage with me and he's got his, and Jonah's not, well, he's, he's having... What year are we looking at here, roughly? Well, it's the Rugby World Cup, okay, uh, yeah. 2015. Yeah. It was the Friday night that before... That was before he flew back. Oh, my yeah, God, yeah. yeah. It was wow. the Friday night uh, before the World Cup final, New Zealand, Australia, at Twickenham in 2015. And he's got his two little boys in front of him, and there's about 600 people in the uh, in the audience. The New Zealand Prime Minister, Rob, uh, Rob, Rob Key... No, not Rob Key. Rob Key's a cricketer. John Key um, was there as well. He came up on the stage. Anyway, so I had a long chat with... A long Q&A with Jonah... And at the end, I said, Jonah, is there anything else that you want to achieve in life? And he stopped and he paused and then you could see his head went down and then you could see his lips moving. And, um, you know, I've, I've been in this position a few times before and you've got to get it right. Yeah. You can't dive in. With somebody yeah. struggling emotionally, you can't dive in. Yeah. So you, you, you let it go a bit, but you can't leave it for a minute. Yeah. So after about 10 or 11 seconds, I don't know what I said, but I said something that was kind of nice, but also a bit amusing. And he kind of laughed and, and wiped away his tears. And what he said was, um, I only hope I live long enough to see my two boys become men. Oh, man. Two weeks later, he died. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, was, that, that still gets to me, actually. Wow. Uh, no, I can that, feel that. Still, wow. That, that wow. still gets wow. to me. Because wow. he, he, was, he was a lovely guy. Kindest guy ever, right? Yeah. Well, that was one of his problems. Everybody took, took him. Everybody took him for yeah. right. And then another one, which I... I, I don't know, sound... Where was he Where was he originally from? What island? Tonga. Was it Tonga, was it? Yeah, yeah. But they moved when he was small. I don't think he was ever a small child, but no. a child mm. over, over, to, he, over to New Zealand. He made turned rugby into a global sport. He was the first superstar. Yeah. He was the first superstar. It was the 90, 95. 95 World Cup semi-final yeah. against England when yeah. he, he trampled all over Mike Catt. Yeah. Steamrolled him. Scored four tries. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, nobody had ever seen anything. Now you see them all the time, mm. but he was the first, the first. Which uh, is the sport like you most like going to? And what's it like being a journalist? Do you feel super special that you're going to like these amazing events and is there a ticket waiting for there and you've got your lanyard around your you neck? You feel like you're playing in it. You, you do. Feel, feel, yeah, that's what I you, mean. You wake up feelings if you've got a big game today. Right, that. okay. Yeah, and you feel and like you're playing it. what's that feeling like? Well, you know what, as well, I, 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 nearly every sports writer would rather be out there actually doing it actually mm. playing it so it's the next best thing yeah. but yeah it's 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 brilliant it's the mm. best job in the world so you're getting um, the best seat in the house being able to speak to everyone pre-post yeah, you know everybody you know and everyone. also the other thing as well um have you ever had any jip do you know when like you see these uh clips of alex ferguson yeah. and uh, he's doing a press conference afterwards and he's like I don't want him in the room. Get him out in his Scottish yeah. accent, or yeah. he's a was pain he, in Was the he German then? Alex? No, he was Welsh. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, get him out of the room. I don't want him ever again. He's, yeah. I don't like that German. Have you ever had any of that towards you? No. 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 But but it's very it's important to say. Um, you know, I I did the right thing. Uh, I did expose one or two people, drug cheats or or whatever. Go on. Who? But oh, just I, I exposed um, uh, somebody who was uh, was behind a top Australian. So he was he was a Scottish coach. I went up to Edinburgh. Yeah. 
What sport? To, to cycling. Yeah. To to talk about his success as a coach, and then <laughs> when he was there, showing him the evidence, and and we absolutely nabbed him. Um, yeah, <laughs> well, like an undercover shake. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> sting. Um, so I, I've done a bit of, but I'd only do that if I felt very strongly yeah, about okay. about that. But but things like people's private lives, I'm not do not you know remotely the, interested in. Who tell me in this whole world of journalism, who organised these undercover stings? You know, like Lawrence Delalio got done for yeah, uh, yeah. drugs. And well, they do. That, well, they do. The what the papers do. Yeah, yeah. And I'm seeing these things everywhere. And then you're seeing the the papers uh, getting into people's mobile phones and listening to. Yeah. What's 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 going on with that world? Well, I don't know, but it's not a world I'm part of. No. And it's not a world. Is I, it a I was... new? Is it part of the new journalism? Yeah, I, I think I think what it is. How do they sleep at night? Well, here's the thing. I think I think uh, there's a lot of pressure on them from other people, and I think uh, generally, I mean, my back. Is full of knife wounds. Yeah, it's it's a very insecure business. Now, I why, I, why I is that? I don't know. It's because I think it's a sort of a business where you know you can shine if you keep getting the big interviews, you keep winning the awards. You know, the stars know you, etc. Yeah. You know, there's there's you know, it's like in most walks of life. There's a bit of envy. There's a bit of jealousy. Okay. What from other journalists? Yeah, and from newspapers. And don't forget, the the funny thing about that job was, um. And that's another world for me. The, yeah. the reason why I have such a great black book yeah. and the reason why I can call on all these stars mm. to this day mm. to come and speak at the, the, the sporting club yeah. is because, you know, I, 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 I've, well, yeah, I've, I, I've fallen out with two or three people in my life yeah. and they've, I'm quite happy about it as well. Yeah. So, what, so Professional sports people or journalists? Oh, I fall, fall, fall out with journalists in the time, yeah, but okay. but but I'm is it competitive? About, yes, but the, what I was going to say yeah. was the weird thing was if you say, for example, out and about on a like the Lions tour yeah. or or the World Cup or the Olympics, whatever, yeah. you're working together. Uh, you're all in it together, but I always wanted to be not completely in the pack. I yeah. wanted to be on the on the periphery of the pack because at the same time, you're also trying to beat each other. Yeah. So um, you had to try and, uh, you know, I you know, used to break a lot of stories, do a lot of big interviews with people saying, th yeah. famous people saying things that would then set the news agenda. Um, and then, you know, later that day, you're working with them again. So right, you, okay. And then afterwards, it was quite nice when you were away on, on a trip was when you'd finished your day's work, you, mm. you've done your report or you, whatever, you've sent your, your copy, it's the evening, the laptop closes. And then the same people who you're trying to beat mm. You turn around and say, "Right, where are we going for drinks tonight, Pat guys?" So it was it was a strange, yeah, strange, sort of isn't it? Job. It was competitive, but also quite a lot of camaraderie as well. That's so basically, what you're after are the exclusives. Yeah. So if your paper, which yeah. was at the time, well, I, I've worked for everybody. I've worked for the Times, worked for the Independent, I've worked for the for the Mail on Sunday, I've worked for everybody. So whoever you're working for, you'll mm. get the exclusives. Yep. The paper are happy with you. Yep. And then. Once that's gone out, can other papers copy that story, but they can't get exclusive? Well, it's not exclusive. They have to copy it, say, as as said in the in the. Is that what they have to write? Well, that's what they're supposed to do. They didn't always do that. Right. So, course, is it but... about timing then? So, if you've got an exclusive, you want to get it out in the paper first. Things that it goes boom, all the papers around the country are showing your exclusive with yeah. the England yeah, World yeah, Cup yeah. captain. Or... I mean, things have slightly changed. You know, uh, to, to to be a good journalist and to to be a good interview and to get the the uh, the, the trust of of people, it's exactly the same as building a, a business relationship. Mm. And some of my uh, uh, interviews were on the back of, you know, a five-year relationship. Yeah. Um, whereas now it's because everything's turned turned digital, obviously. Yeah. Um, in the old days, in the old days, in the old days, yeah. um, I used to sort of break a massive interview 
which will appear on a Sunday. And nobody saw it coming. It was like nobody had no idea it was going to appear. Okay. And then boom, there it was. Whereas now it's all about getting something out, which everybody knows about, but getting it out two minutes before somebody else right, okay. on online. Yeah. So that those days of, you know, um, let's be honest, having a few drinks, mm. um, whining and dining, <laughs> getting to know people, getting them to... I had, towards the end, I had a lot of sports stars coming to me and saying, we've got a really delicate, difficult interview to do. Will you do it yeah. with us? Because we know we've got to have to do it. And if you do it, then it's done. Yeah. And then... And so, because I had people's trust, they would come to me, and I would I would do it in in the right way. Mm. So yeah, yeah. Um, the other the other crying one just was hold, was, was, gonna, yeah, was Sugar Ray Leonard very quickly. Sugar okay. Ray Leonard, yeah, Go yeah. On, so Sugar Ray Leonard, um, Amazing did a boxer, did a right? did a big show. We have him coming back, folks, yeah. in September. Five big dinners. Uh, we did. We'll, a dinner. move, we'll move on to that in a minute. Yeah, we we did a dinner with him. Oh, I did a dinner with him at an interview. And um, where was it? Where was it? It was in a big hotel in Knightsbridge in London. What and, year, uh, roughly? 2016. Okay. And um, he, uh, I said to him, so you've won the Olympic gold medal and we're going to talk about all your amazing fights against Hagler Hearns, Roberta Duran, et cetera, et cetera. But you want to tell a story about just your second ever professional fight? He went, yeah, yeah, I do, yeah. And he started to go. Really? And I was thinking to myself, because I didn't know the story particularly, okay. But it's just his second professional fight against somebody nobody's ever heard of. You won easily. How's there a story here? And he really struggled to get it out. And he's on stage. And again, I'm having to sort of put a uh, proverbial hand on him to yeah. make sure he's okay. And yeah. the story was basically classic American boxing story. Father was a waste of space. Mother did held down four jobs a day, menial jobs a day. His mum. Yeah, yeah, to get the family through. Yeah. And he'd won the Olympic gold medal. But but he, he really wanted he wanted to be going to law. So bright chap, uh, Ray Leonard, but he he had to go into boxing in order to earn a living for the whole family, not just for himself. Mm. And after the second fight, and he keeps he keeps stopping telling this story. He says, um, "I asked my mother to come to an, a, a certain address." She goes, "Why why why am I coming here? Why just come, Mama? Just come, Mama?" And she turns <laughs> up, and there's this beautiful house behind. And he got out from his pocket some keys. He said. This is your house. Oh wow! And he he was crying on wow. stage. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah. Now, as in, don't think I enjoy having people breaking down in front of me, but I kind of do because it's really powerful stuff. Yeah. You could have heard a pin drop in the room. And the other thing is, everybody in the room realized, okay, we're not just going to get sound bites here. This is really from the heart. Mm. So yeah, things like that you mm. you 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 never forget. You might get me crying later. Yeah. Then it could Hopefully. be a seminal moment for Hopefully. you. Hopefully, <laughs> especially if you kick me under the table. <laughs> Tell me, I want to know the business model of a journalist. Mm. You're talking about all these papers you're working for. Do mm. you sign a one-year deal with all these papers, and what makes you then flip to another club? It's like a <coughs> professional footballer jumping club every two, three years. Yeah, right? it, it is a little bit like that. Yeah. Actually, you do get poached, and you get this sort of like a transfer or, or, or whatever. Look, the best days. Are, are are gone. When I when I came into it, I, I caught the tail end of of, of Fleet Street and you know, expenses. You know, expenses. Yeah. One expenses. Yeah. I used to turn left whenever you got on a plane. It yeah. was it was it was it was happy days. Um, but yeah, that's what basically happened. People came to you said, "Will you come and join us?" Uh, I was different because I've always been different. Yeah. What happened with me was in ninety uh, when I won that that award mm. that that big award, and I was in my uh, mid to late 20s and 
I looked across and looked at people in their 40s and they were really good. But as I said, they, oh, they were stagnating in front of me. Yeah. And I, I was getting TV talking to me and um, I was the chief sports reporter of the Mail on Sunday. Mm. And I walked out. I walked out of the job with nothing to go to because I wanted to create, I wanted to do other things. I wanted to do magazines. I wanted to, uh, to do TV. I wanted to write books. I wanted to do my own thing. Yeah. And that was another really good lesson in life, actually. Mm -hmm. I'll be honest with you. Because though I was, you know, on going live, I just won this massive award. I had the world at my feet. And I expected the man with the silver platter full of opportunities to be knocking on my door. Mm. And um, after a few weeks, I realized, ah, oh, it doesn't work like mm. that. Go and find it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what happened was I had a, for that first year, uh, when I was sort of totally freelance, I had sort of a... a what year were looking for at? For the 1992, mm. 1992. I left in 1992. And my mother died that year as well. So it was a bit of a, a general mm. sort of... And it was before my 30s that I thought, my, I, I, need, I need to change. I need mm. to do something. Mm. But I remember having a bit of a, oh my God, what have I done moment about once a week for the first couple of months. Were you that, freelance for all these papers? Uh, I was after then. I wasn't, but then I left in 1992. No, but what I mean, but after that, working for all these papers, yeah. are you freelance journalists for the papers? Ever since 92, I was, yeah. So they're paying you as a yearly contract or are you just billing them every time you give it? I, I, I had yearly contracts okay. with, with quite a few of them, but it meant I also had the freedom yeah. to do everything else that I wanted to do. Yeah. And it took them a while to work out. At first, they were quite against me doing other things. Yeah. And I said, you know, what? Well, what is it not to understand here? Mm. By me doing more things, it's creating more mm. opportunity uh, for, for you as well. Just reel off a few of the books that you've written for me. How many <laughs> books have you written? 16. You've written 16. Yeah. Reel off your top five. Oh, that, that, so without any shadow of doubt, the, the ones I'm proudest of yeah. and the ones that have sold the most. Tell me your proudest ones. Um, Playgrounds of the Gods. And that's the one where I went around the world. Yeah. Uh, training with and playing with uh, incredibly huge names and stars, but also getting their story and 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 explaining why sports is so important in this world. Like if, you, if you're talking to the Brazilians, for example, who uh, the Brazil I, I played for Flamengo, uh, which is like the Man United of, of Brazil. I was there in, Re in Rio <laughs> during festival week, yeah. uh, uh, sadly. So I had to be out with them, yeah. uh, dancing and drinking till five in the yeah. morning with them. Um, but then you know they learnt they learnt their trade on on copy. So you so you wrote a book of yeah. you going around the world playing with different yeah. sports teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An so, example. So I played with Flamengo. Yeah. Um, I didn't play in a game at the Maracanã yeah. with a hundred thousand people yeah. in it, That'd but I nice, played, it? played in a training game. I remember Romario asking me to pass the ball when the guy called Junior Bayano, who was also in the Brazilian team, asking me to pass the ball. And I've got the ball at my feet and I'm thinking, who am I going to pass to? Romario <laughs> or Junior Bayano? <laughs> I went to Pakistan and played squash against uh, Janshir Khan, who at the time he was, was amazing, the, wasn't he? Were, oh, yeah. Janshir or Jahanga? Janshir. Okay. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Take your pick. You know, yeah, they, they, all, they, all, they were amazing. Yeah. Pakistan TV didn't understand why I was there. They rocked up and they thought I was the British champion. So they feel, they feel me playing John Shea. I'll be in like one of those furry headbands on oh, wristbands. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit embarrassing. I, I got two points off him. One was a miss hit off the wood, yeah. and the other one he hit out off the wood. God, they show, showing your age drop now. Shot, drop shot, drop shot. Yeah, it was, it was a wooden. It was a wooden racket. Um, and I remember the second game. The second set it was ten two. 
to him up to, it was up to uh, 15 would it 15 would it be in 15 something like that it was 10 2 and he felt a tiny tweak in his uh in his quad mm. and he went oh, I, i'm going to stop now mm. I'm gonna, i said well, we haven't that means finished. I win, doesn't well, it? Well, that's yeah. what I said. So he said, "What do you mean? You've been pulling out. You, you've retired her. I win." And he goes, "No, no, 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 no." I said, "Well, well let's carry on." Then was he, he goes, from Jamaica, was he? Uh, oh, here we go. <laughs> Touche. One all. One all. One all. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I did that. I ran with the uh, the Kenyans, three thousand meters steeplechase. I actually <laughs> ran in their national trials, nine thousand feet altitude. Um, and uh, uh, with the final, I we, we we started. And I kept with them for about half a lap. But the difference was I was sprinting mm. and they were jogging languidly. Mm. And I thought I was like, I could hardly breathe. Who was your man yeah. the other week who run the London Marathon under two hours? Yeah. Can't remember his name. but yeah. they were Kenyan. Kenyan. They worked out his speed. I went into the gym and put it on that speed. Yeah. And he Nuts, run that it? for 120 minutes. And I yeah. did it for like sixty seconds. Yeah. It was ridiculous. It is ridiculous, like a full-on sprint. But they they they're running in altitude all, all their lives. So mm. they so so I for the last two laps of that race, mm. they'd all finished. It was just me, and there were seventeen thousand uh, Kenyans. <laughs> what La were you wearing? I'm just trying to I'm just laughing, trying to envisage this. Laughing their heads off. I I, <laughs> I fell in the water jump. I Mate, fell in the water jump. Just tell me what you were wearing. Um, Please oh, tell me, hey, like a skin tight all in one. Probably a sexy singlet. <laughs> um, so I fell in the water jump. Uh, and then what else did I do? I. Um, I uh, Heard went, you rugby with someone? Yeah, yeah, no, I went to. This was. I did a bit better here. I went to join the Springboks. Uh, at the time in the late 90s, it was uh, Nick Mallett's uh, uh, all singing and dancing, unbeaten Springboks. Uh, Jus van der Vesses and God rest his soul. Yeah. Uh, Gary Teichman, Bobby Skinstad, yeah. all these people. And. Um, I really got stuck in there. Uh, what you have to do there is, like, if you don't, if you walk into a South African Afrikaans dressing yeah. room and go, "Hey guys, I'm a journalist and I'm English," <laughs> that's not a good start. So I basically learned very quickly. You put your head down and you you take any crap that comes your way yeah. or cack, as yeah, they say, yeah. um, and you you show that you can do it. And yeah. that's what I did. And after about a day and a half. They all came round and thinking, "Oh, okay, this guy's all right. He's prepared to take a few punches." Yeah. And after that, it was it was it was wonderful. So I was on the bench against Ireland uh, at Loftus Versford in Pretoria, wow. and uh, so I was actually one of their named as one of their subs. Amazing. Um, and then, how did you talk your way into that? I, I, used, you, I know you got the gift of the gap, but what, used, what words did you well, use to if, get onto that if, team sheet? If I may say so, takes one to know one. <laughs> um, um, I did the old Bob Geldof. Um, uh, li live aid trick, which is I went to one of them and said all the others had agreed, and then they were, oh, well, we, and also played to their egos. So I oh, went okay. to the spring box. I could have gone to the All Blacks, but I think you're the best yeah, in the okay. world. Okay, yeah. And then I knew a lot. There was Steve Redgrave. I was Steve Redgrave. That was my British chapter. Yeah. Um, Steve Redgrave was my partner at the Henley Regatta, and like Steve Redgrave is uh, that guy is so excuse the uh, the pun awesome. Yeah. Um, is he a good he, lad. He, he brilliant. Is well, he? well, well, he, yes. Um, he's the sort of guy where uh, when you meet all these people, what makes the winners amongst the winners is the top six inches, is yeah. the mindset. Yeah. So I always remember sitting down with Steve and I knew he'd be like this. And I said, I want to do this. I want to race at Henry Regatta. And he goes, yeah, yeah. And you can see this slightly sadistic smile appearing on his face because he knew that the hell I was going to be put through to, to, <laughs> to, to, to do that. But right at the end, I said to Steve, now, Steve, I uh, just to be clear, I'll do, I'll, I'll work my backside off. I'll, I'll go through hell for you. He said, but just so that you know, we probably won't win 
the Henry Regatta if it's you and me. And I remember he put his drink down, slammed it down actually, and looked at me really, really steely-eyed and said, no joke at all. He went, I don't see why not. And I thought then, oh my God, he actually thinks we're still going to win mm. this. Mm. Um, but which is why it made that book yeah. because there were no dispensations, yeah. you know. Yeah. So he was fantastic. I was 11, I was 12th man for the Australian cricket team. <laughs> I managed to play for them against New South Wales. So all that great Shane Warne, Glenn McGrath, uh, Steve Waugh team. And I knew Steve, so Steve let me come and go. But the piece de resistance, the one that actually won a, it won me a literary award, uh, this particular book, mm. was um, I learned how to box. I mean, properly learned how to box in the uh, in in Canning Town, in the Peacock mm. Gym in Canning Town. Mm. And then went over to Florida and did three rounds against Roy Jones Jr., who at the time was the best pan for pan boxer in the on, world. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> you did three rounds with him. What yeah. do you mean? Break, yeah. break that down. Well, when I say I did three rounds, my my face slammed, you against, him three rounds. slammed against his fists. <laughs> On a regular basis. It wow. was horrific. It was horrific. You have a guard on? It was, uh, I had a head guard yeah. on, yeah. I remember seeing, seeing him just before. Eight ounce gloves? Please oh, yeah. tell me, please well, tell oh, me. Yeah, Eight yeah, ounce yeah. or something. <laughs> I remember saying to him just before we started, I said, now look, Roy, um, I was still nursing a broken rib from <laughs> from playing with a spring box. And I said to him, um, I, 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 you know, do what you do what you want to do, mm. but I've got a broken rib. So it'd be quite nice if you, he said, he said, man, don't worry about your rib cage. He said, I was always only going to aim for your face. <laughs> oh, Thanks. that's lovely to know that. And I remember then he he beat. It was like uh, gunslingers, you know, like who's going to draw first? Mm. And we circled each other in the ring, looking at each other. And uh, I was thinking as we were circling each other, eyes on each other. If I punch first, is he going to think He's good? Game. Good on you. Oh, yeah, I like you. You got balls. Yeah. Or is he going to think right? I'm going to kill I'm you, off now. you now. Yeah. So in the end, I, I just, I couldn't stand it anymore. I, I threw a punch, it went into his gloves. I threw another punch, it went into his gloves. And then I did like the most schoolboy thing. I feigned a punch. He dropped his gloves. I bopped him on the nose. And I remember thinking, my God, I've just hit Roy J And I got yeah. to when his punch, his fist slammed into my head. <laughs> Felt like a slab of concrete going into my head. And then he just, it was like Rocky. You know where Rocky's head keeps going back yeah. and back yeah, when yeah, every yeah, time yeah. Apollo Creed hits it? It was like that. And I remember thinking, God, he's going really hard on this. And then in the first round, he came over and he went, man, I, that was, I enjoyed that. I said, yeah, I bet you did. <laughs> I said, but you know, it's three rounds. And he went, oh, I thought it was one. That's why I started to get to work on you. <laughs> I went, no, it's three. <laughs> so and then after that, and then I remember uh, um, there was, he was wearing a vest mm. and there was blood on his vest. Mm. And I remember thinking the confusion of it all. Is it mine my, or is? My God, I've, <laughs> I've cut Roy Jones. I've yeah. cut Roy Jones. And at the same time, I was thinking, hmm. What's all that liquid in my mouth? <laughs> and then I realised that. And what afterwards, there's pictures in the book. He looks like he's had a little walk in the park. Yeah. And I, I've got blood. It's like somebody's got a ketchup mm. bottle and gone yeah. all over my face. <laughs> what a great experience. But funnily enough, it was. It was a very creative experience Tell well. me, what's the business model around writing books and selling books? How does it work these days? Very simple. Uh, you come up with uh, a good enough idea to convince the publishers. Uh, the publishers then give you uh, a retainer. Uh, so they'll give you um, however much they, they want to give Example. you when you negotiate. Well, uh, depending on, let, let's say uh, hypothetically, um, I don't know. who's Because who's, everyone keeps talking about it. there's no money in books these days. No, no. Well, th there were three sorts of authors, yeah. right? 90% of authors don't make much money. 7% yeah. of authors make some money. Yeah. I made some money yeah. out of my books. I would be in that seven yeah. percent, and then two or three percent. J.K. Rowling, thank right, you very, okay. thank you very much. Okay, but there's not an awful lot of money in books, but but obviously 
you know, there, there's there, there's there's some enough. Well, for for me, it's it's been a useful sub subsidiary um, uh, income. So if someone would give you a lump up front and say, "There yep, you go." Yep. And then do you get a cut of every book that's sold? Yeah, or yeah. Do you just happens? go, you know, I'll walk away. Give me hundred grand or fifty grand, twenty. All sorts of ways of doing yeah. it. You can just get a flat fee. Yeah. Um, which, if you're not convinced it's going to sell loads, take you, it. You take it. Yeah. Uh, or you get a, a an upfront payment, and then you get a percentage of of the sales. Yeah. So what's a good? What's a someone like? Hask, James Haskell, yep. written his book now. What sort of numbers yeah. do you think he would have sold? Like 20,000, 10,000? Yeah, well, well, hardback always sells a lot less because it's more expensive yeah. and then paperback. It's all about the timing. I I, I, I would have thought, uh, I was always told if you get over 20,000 copies sold for hardback, that that's okay, that's pretty good. And then mm. if you can get up to 30, 40, 50, then you're really in business. Yeah, okay. But 20,000 is the aim. Okay. And then paperback at least 20,000. Yeah, okay. Just quickly moving on there before mm. we before we finish up here, before we move on to the London Sporting Club. Mm. Tell me that story when you interviewed James Haskell and he, he wanted to beat you up. Mm. No, that's not quite. Um, Blooming <laughs> uh, uh, journalists, you see, they twist things, don't they? Um, what happened was that Haskell and I were talking, I've known Haskell for my sins for, for years, and we concocted this story where he said, I always like it when when you see these politicians walking out of an interview. And I said, well, why don't we do something like that? He said, yeah, he said, we could have a fight. I went, well, we could do, yeah, okay. So long story short, we, we filmed an interview where I asked him questions, which progressively got ruder and ruder Example. as they went on. But there was a modicum of truth and that's why okay. people bought it. Okay. So it literally this went viral, didn't no, it? Yeah, yeah. So it literally it began as if, well, good to see you, James. Uh, thanks for giving up your time. Yeah. Uh, you're looking fit. You're looking good. How's everything? So it's a perfectly yeah. normal start to an interview. Yeah. Thanks for asking me along, Ian. And uh, yeah, I'm feeling fit. I've recovered from my injury and raring to go. And it's all great. It started well. And then it got worse. So, for example, um, uh, uh, you played in the Six Nations, didn't you? That's because Tom Croft was injured. Obviously, normally. He'd have that position. I think most people would say he's a better player. Well, um, I thought I did okay, Ian. And, and then I'd say, so like Martin Johnson's your head coach. You know what Martin's like, you know, um, not really impressed with uh, people who are a little bit flash. Um, you know, some people think you're, you're all talk and no trousers. And then the final piece de resistance was, obviously, Lawrence Delalio is, is the man you've looked up to, obviously, you know, number eight, played at Wasps, played at England, just just like you. Um, is it fair to say you're nothing more than a poor man's Lance Delalio? Which body gets up, rips his microphone off, goes, I've had enough of this, and I'm saying, oh, you know, stop being, you know, stop being childish. He goes, no, 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 you've asked me to be here, and you've just been rude, and I say, you know, I don't need to do this. I'm saying, you're being arrogant now, James. And then he pushes me. Now, if you're eagle-eyed, there's some conveniently positioned boxes yeah. behind me, and he shoves me, at, you know, with some power, yeah. and I go, and then he goes up, stop the stop, and it's his hand, and that's it. And we, you know, we, we put Brilliant. it out, we put it out, uh, thinking nothing, nothing's, ah, oh, we just did it. See what happens. Oh my God. Yeah. Not only did I'd say 80% of people believed it for it to be true. I had phone calls from the RFU. I had phone calls from the R of the RPA. I had phone calls from the uh, International Rugby Board. Yeah. I had phone calls. Now, who was the um? And what do you do on YouTube? It's like millions of views. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then we did a take two, which was far more um, um, farcical, like yeah. West End farce. You yeah. know, like bloke with the trombone comes out and your yeah. trousers fall down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so in 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 part two, we finished. We we added the bit of part one the bit where he gets angry and pushes me. And then I get up and I run at him and rugby tackle him. 
And he goes over, we've got, we got like a, a trestle table and we go flying through the trestle table. <laughs> he then gets up, smashes a plate over my head. It's it's sugar rice yeah, yeah, plate. Yeah, yeah. I smash something back. He puts a cake in my face. And as luck would have it, at the studio where we did it, we didn't know this, mm. there was a like a prison cell there. Mm. So I then threw him into the prison cell and I said, Stafford, come back and finish what you started. And that also went went viral. Yeah. And then all the messages on YouTube, because they were quite abused, quite, yeah, quite yeah, abusive. Yeah. Most of them were, I would have done the same to that, that <laughs> yeah, to that to that reporter and, and all that ginger you know, dick and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I would have smashed him as well. And then you get the occasional people arguing with each other on YouTube. Oh, you dick, can't you tell it's a joke? Yeah. And then I, and then the second one came out and there was loads of, oh. Oh, we know. Oh. Yeah, yeah. But there were still a few going, uh, I still think it's uh, I still think it's for real. I can't believe he threw him in the jet in the cell <laughs> in the end of it. You just can't underestimate people's stupidity. But yes, millions of people have seen it. That's quality. And it, and even the authority, people mm. in authority, mm. thought it was for real and said, What are you two doing? You can't have a fight. <laughs> You're a well known journalist and he plays for England right. for God's sake. And we put a head on our hands and oh, it's unbelievable. Fantastic. Let's move on before we finish up here. You've created a wonderful brand in the London Sporting Club and actually the Sporting Club. I also very much like the London Sporting Club. It's very close to here and I know you do different cities. Give us a quick overview of what that's all about. So um, I, I used to have meetings all over the place, all over the country, all over the world um, in hotel foyers and Starbucks. And really, it's only London that has the private members clubs and mm. they're either really old and stuffy mm. or they're a little bit too cool for school. Mm. Um, and I you know, I don't care how you look. I don't care how wealthy you are. I just care if you're proper person. Mm. Now, sports is the world's greatest common denominator. Yep. Sport brings together the 55-year-old CEO, company owner on you know half a million a year, and the McDonald's uh, shift worker. Yep. They both go to the pub and watch Anthony Joshua fighting, knocks out Klitschko, and they're hugging each other. That's what sport does to yep. you. So um, I uh, wanted to create a modern networking club, but not one of those, with respect, god-awful clubs where you turn up once every two months for networking breakfast, like speed dating, and you suit with your name and your lapel and hand out business cards like confetti to strangers. Mm. I wanted to incorporate um, state-of-the-art new technology with old school getting to know people, yeah. building relations through your love of sport and business. And so I um, I went to a, a club in Mayfair. Uh, that what happens with the members clubs in London is that a lot of them have fallen on bad times because they didn't evolve. You know, in the last 20 years, as you know, uh, very well. Um, uh, you know, we have 27-year-old CEOs of tech companies. Yeah. They don't want to sit in a stuffy old, stuffy old club. Yeah. Diversity uh, is better than it, it, it ever was uh, before. It's still not, still not perfect. Tell me your business model. Yeah. So the business model is is that uh, if you join the sporting club, yep. you have access to uh, all sorts of venues around the country. Started in London. Tell in, me the tell me the venues in London you got access to. Oh, we have one in Mayfair. One in the city, one in Soho, and one in Victoria. Okay. And what do you put on? Uh, well, yeah, just sorry, just say so we're also in Manchester and Leeds. And we're opening up in Birmingham in June, and we're opening up in Liverpool in uh, June. And we're having talks next week with another one. And we got our first event in Dubai with a precursor to starting there as well. Okay. So, so therefore, as a member, you have access to all these venues. Yep. It's a better USP now than ever before because, of course, post lockdown. People aren't using offices in the way that they used to do. Mm. So number one, you have all that to to work, to meet, to, yep. to network, etc. And then we have um, we do loads of events. 
loads of events, always with big names. Give me an example of three events you've got coming up in this summer of 2021. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll give you, okay, that's a, that's a good question because I can give you a, a, a nice cross-section of everything we do. So we still do nice intimate lunches. Uh, so we have uh, a lunch with Sir Ian McGeekin in London two days before the Lions starts. Three days after Boris's Liberation Day in June, can you imagine what Everyone's that's going to be, be like? On the smash. It's going to be like uh, the day after Prohibition's lifted yeah. in the States, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and we got Sir Jackie Stewart. I get 150 people in the room. So photos. it's an intimate room for a yeah. nice long lunch with nice a guest speaker. Lunch. Yeah, and it's myself and the guest speaker Give in conversation. Sir Jackie Stewart, Paul McGinley in uh, September for the Ryder, for the Ryder yep. Cup for the Ryder yep. Cup. We're um, we're opening. We're launching the Birmingham Keep telling Sporting me the names. Club. Harry Redknapp, yep. your friend Harry. Yeah, brilliant. He's he's going to join us there. Um, so we got all those happening, and then we're also doing a lot of bigger dinners as well. And we're doing uh, four dinners uh, in Leeds, Edge, uh, Leeds, Birmingham, Manchester, and London. Forty years on from the epic nineteen eighty one. Ashes win Cricket where Ian Botham. Botham. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Ian Botham went nuts and did wow. extraordinary things to win the Ashes. And the whole team, apart from those who aren't with us anymore, people like Jeff Boycott, David Gower, they're all Did in Jeff the room. Jeff Boycott passed away? No, 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 no. The whole team, apart from those oh, who aren't with from, us, oh, yeah, okay. are, will be with us like right, okay. Sir Jeff Boycott, oh, okay. um, uh, David Gower, Graham Gooch, Mike. So Gatti, tell me how the business model works. How would someone come and find you? Do they pay a yearly fee? Yep. To get, and does that yearly fee allow them access to all your events? No. What happens? Yeah, it does. Yep. Uh, as a member, uh, you get a yearly. It's a thousand pounds a year. That's all yep. it is. Plus fat. So you can pay yearly or monthly. Yep. And that gives you access to all the venues. And then what happens is you can go to all the events at a massively discounted uh, amount. Yep. So frankly. We're doing five Sugar Ray Leonard dinners in September. Give me an example. Well. How much a ticket? So if you bought if you bought a table of ten, one per, I'm talking about one person right now. One person for Sugar. Oh, do I know my own prices? Uh, Sugar Ray in Birmingham, Manchester, and Leeds will be 150 quid for a member or non-member. For, for a member, for, for, a member. for non-member, it's I think it's 180. Okay, but for but for the what lunches, do you get, what do you get as a as a member for the lunches? Yeah. The more intimate ones, yeah. so Jackie Stewart, for example, yeah. Ian McGeekin, Paul McGilley. 75 quid, three-course lunch. Lovely. Photos with the star. Lovely. You know what I really love about those as yeah. well? They finish at half three. Yeah. People are still there at 10 o'clock. Yeah, wonderful. Um, but if you're non-member, it's 150 quid. So okay. it's double the price. Um, and then and then what I was going to say was, if you, for example, as a because it's a corporate thing, a lot of companies Why is Harry going to Birmingham? Because I asked that, him you to. You asked him, is it? Okay. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> that's, let's hope he can find yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. If you work with him, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, if, if you if you bought a table at Sugar Ray and you bought a table at Ian Botham's Ashes Dinners in London, for yeah. example, yeah. as a member, you've saved yourself a thousand quid, which is yeah. which is your, which membership. your membership. Exactly. So, so and just, then there's other things. We've got a wine club. We've got hospitality and, and lifestyle division uh, as well. Um, and we have a very proactive uh, network where actually there's a section on the website which the whole world can see, yeah. but there's one section, section called Members Area, which only the members themselves can get into. It's like a website within a website. Brilliant. And there there's a total directory of all the members. So if you ever want to connect with any of our members, they're on the, they're on the directory, who they are, Brilliant. what they are, how to contact them. And what them. is the name of the website where people can find you? www.thesportingclub. You, you are showing your age now, but you're w using the www. <laughs> By the way, that stands for Worldwide uh, Web. Web. Okay. Thesportingclub.co. Uh, thesportingclub.co. Wonderful. So if anyone wants to find any more information, go to thesportingclub.co and everything's on there. Everything's on there, my friend. Staffs, 
I have thoroughly enjoyed the 60 minutes you have done. 60 minutes? Is it really? It yes. feels like five. I know, I know. But it just got going. I know, I know. And there's loads more stories. You can, can, I, can I leave you with a quote? I would love a quote. Yeah, uh, I, I love my quotes. Yeah. Okay. Is and, it a corker? Uh, I think so. Good. You may, you may, you may disagree. I could throw the the Albert Einstein quote I like, which is, "I'm thankful to all of those who said no to me. It's because of them I'm doing it myself." Yeah. But the one I really like, and I know you're going to like this, is this one, and it comes from Ray Kroc, the man who transformed McDonald's from one little restaurant to the worldwide monster that it is, and it goes like this. Nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful individuals with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. Wow. I like that. You could be as talented as you like. Absolutely. You've got to work. You've got yeah. to graft. And you've got to keep going. And you've got to be persistent. And you've got to be determined. And you've got to back yourself. And if you do all that, you've got half a it's chance. It's all about belief. There Staffs, we Staffs, I've loved this, mate. And I will, I'm looking forward to having a beer with you later on. Excellent. Or maybe two. <laughs> Good man. All you right. take care. Good man. Thank Cheers. you.